0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans.
0: Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dadly Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick of What Culture to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Oh. Where we do daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT, Dubai, Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. The bloody good quiz, of course, on Wrestle WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Dynamite. What do you make of the show, Sidgwick?
2: I thought it was mostly very good. Mm. Mostly very good trifecta-adjacent I think got two and a half out of the trifecta three. It was better promos and matches than angles, but so some of the matches were fantastic. Mm. Um, one of the promos was just brilliant. Two of them you could probably even describe as brilliant. And there were some directions that were teased that, uh, oh, my, oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Maybe not the time to tease them, but the actual teasers alone were fantastic propositions.
0: Michael, you were writing ups and downs for whatculture.com. What did you think?
3: A good show, but I was, same as Sid really, I think I was more excited at the stuff that they were teasing and stretching out than anything else. Loved the sense, like, it's not one specific thing, so it's probably worth mentioning now. Loved the sense that MJF, as a world champion, was back as the target of a lot of different people in a lot of different stories. There was a feeling again that this roster isn't just boxed off into their own individual programmes, yeah. which I really love in general. Um I I didn't love the whole show, but I just it's like everything like with the build to wrestle dream, I'm not particularly buzzed by these episodes, but I just have a good feeling about yeah. a lot of the different directions. So it's, it's exciting stuff's right round the corner. I just don't think we're quite there yet. On the MGF teasers, right? Do we
2: think maybe an overcorrection has happened in which AEW is very in tune to criticism? Not as much as it used to be, or I would like it to be, but I still think they have their finger on the pulse, realize where the bread's buttered, all of the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the big criticisms of many faced by AEW this year and more specifically the last few months is that the world title has taken a backseat to the friendship, Better Than eBay Baby, the ROH World Tag Team titles, inexplicably some feel on pay-per-view. Is lining up a horde of challenges for MJF a direct response to that? Maybe something that was in the plans all along? And has it come at the expense of receiving Jay White As this, he could be the one. He could be the one. I suppose, and I'm jumping ahead. um, There's nothing stopping my imagination, my synapses firing, and thinking, what if Wardlow costs him? Mm -hmm. And they can spin off into a grudge program without the belt. So maybe I'm being too harsh, but it does feel like they're signposting a lot
0: after... The what feels now like an inevitable Jay White loss. You've got to strike that balance, haven't you? In terms of like, you can't say, well, these other people want to fight for the title next. Because you're like, oh, cool. So Jay White's not winning it. But also you don't want to be like, does no one else care about the world title? Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's a really good point. Hey, just call me butter, baby. I'm on a roll. Uh, right, let's dive straight in. Uh, what do you think of that? Sorry, I've just completely cut you off there.
3: Hey, yeah, much of what you said. You know, like, it's, all, <laughs> it's all just fine at the moment. Like, it's um, better than that, really. No, no, it's not. Hey, like, it I wish though. it was. They've caught a, cri- a lot of criticism and it's high time. And uh, I think this is a pivot from that. But also, like, Adam Cole's injured. So even if that was the central plot... Like, what we've seen of Adam Cole has been terrible. Like, universally disliked, probably more than anything else. Even more than the criticisms towards MJF's title run has been how Adam Cole's been featured lately. And with him being on the shelf, even if it was going to be a turn or something to do with the kingdom or another match or more tagging together, there's been no sort of discussion about the Ring of Honor tag belts' future, despite Cole's injury. It stands to reason that you would be lining up more than just one challenger. I love as well, I, there's something else in wrestling we've talked about and I can't remember which podcast it was. I love the overworked challenger story anyway. I think it's a really good one to tell because it's logical. Theoretically, there should always be so many challenges that the diary is always full. And sooner or later, that catching up to a challenger allows for a surprise title change. The champion. Which, so The champion, yeah. sorry, yeah. The, the diary getting full allows for a surprise title change, which, as we saw with FTR... It's something that AW likes to do every mm. now and then. You should be wrong-footed once like once in a while. And with so many people lined up, yes, it feels logical that MJF will at least make it to Jay White, which makes the next couple of weeks captivating. But y- you don't know. And I think that's how you should feel when a, when a champion's had the belt this long, especially. Like, at some point, the clock's got to start ticking. Otherwise, it just starts to get dull. This mm. is where MJF's at now in the run. It shouldn't just be pay-per-view cycle challenges, I don't think.
0: Uh, so let's dive straight into it. It was uh, Jay White in action against Penta to start the show, and Penta realizing that the rest of the bing, bing, bing uh were uh, there at ringside. Wiped them all out, dived onto Juice Robinson the Guns and Card Blade, uh, and then dropped White with a sling blade on the floor and a double stomp off the top um, to officially start the match. Um, Penta hits a float over backstabber for a two count straight away. Uh, Colton tried to uh, trip up Penta, but the distraction was good enough to allow. White to come back and hit a DDT to take control. Uh, White ties up the mask of Penta to the ropes, but Bryce Ramsberg immediately just unties it uh, to uh, take us to... Thanks, love. Uh, take us to the break. Um, <laughs> when we come back, Penta avoids a backdrop, hits multiple sling blades. Uh, White gets hit with a somersault dive to the outside. Um, we go back in and they do the chop battle with Jay, Jay White being like, take your top off. To balance things out, Penta obliged, and I—I uh, I even asked you what what it was to follow that up. I hadn't seen it before. Jay White took it out, took him out of the knee, and then ran into. I've written down Fireman's carry spinning slam thing. I think Taz called it the Jack and Jay. It was awesome. It looked great. It that an it absolutely did. awesome move. Uh, Penta runs into a Uranagi and a brain buster for two. White hits a dragon screw and a sleeper suplex. Penta avoids the Blade Runner, though, and hits a made in Japan for a nice two count. Um, But then here comes Bullet Club goal to run distraction every which way. Um, Robertson nails Penta with the left hand. White hits the Blade Runner. One, two, three, Sidge. I cannot recall a match that with one sequence
2: and one chapter of it, if you like, that just... Grabbed me, chokehold, and I was into the finish because for the longest time, think of it like this this is the line of accomplished, well worked, gentleman's three, and then the top comes off, and that's the cheat code, isn't it? Hogan ripped his top off, right? (laughs) Gaza takes his uh, <laughs> <tell> chaps <laughs> off, a carder takes the flares off and goes back to the trunks. Oh, yeah, that's if a what. wrestler removes an article of clothing, <laughs> not to be Jim Ross about it, I'm instantly in. If a male wrestler rips off an article <laughs> of clothing, I'm like, well, this is great now. I'm what more have you at,
3: got? you at Capital Carnage when Jeff Hardy takes top off and you just squeal it. He's,
2: he's, he's, he's doing, doing it. it. He's doing it. Like genuinely, yeah. like I was. Th- I was just not really grabbed by this. A lot of people in that building were so i'm on an island here it's always mm, important I'm, I'm well. it's always important to say this is really over in the building and it worked for the fan base And it's a boring bit of critique but it's nonetheless true i don't want to be these i hate it when people say our oh, so much sucked I didn't mm. i didn't care for it personally and it didn't move me in any way but look at look at the crowd listen to the reaction like maybe i'm just a bit jaded or whatever um, but this got me like big time when they started doing that. It felt like it felt like for a brief moment, and everything I followed was pretty electric after that. But this is more boring than good. It just got really, really good, mm. and then finished on a high. Nice um, to have a bit of a
0: packed house with all the Mystico ticket sales. As yes, well. absolutely. I think the atmosphere
2: helped it enormously. No, I just felt like that chop battle was such a cool idea. Like honestly, just. Take it all off, because that's when things work better. Um, I I just, the the investment, just, it was like a light switch went Mm. off, and I was mad into it. It felt, for a few fleeting seconds, like the diamond-sharp mind of Jay White had a great idea to elevate and build and peak a match, and then you had that really cool badass version of Penta from all of those years ago actually squaring off. It felt like the match graphic for um, a hot minute.
3: I'm the bad analyst that said this sucked when it probably didn't because the building liked it. I thought it was put, like, the mid in mid-carders. I felt so little for this. JY isn't a title challenger, and I've had to come to terms with that. This was – a uh, Penta's dead. Penta's absolutely finished, like, as a th- as a threat. Like, he's not the guy he was. Like, he's not – he's neither this terrifying – like, this guy that used to be a terrifying heel that's now just, a like, a crowd-pleasing terrifying heel – He's not that. He's not a threat. Like, that spot where, like, he couldn't, like, he tried and kind of failed to tie the mask to the ropes, and then Bryce Remsberg right? Like, saved his ass. Undid it, but let's be honest, it wasn't working. I, like, I kind of groaned when he did it, because I was like, oh, Penta's getting his mask tied to the ropes again. And then when it failed, I was like, yes, that kind of sums up all of this. I just couldn't care less about either of these two, and I thought this was pretty damaging to Jay White. I'm the total opposite on the chop battle. I was just, I felt like it was so delayed as to be quite like pantomime. I was like, oh, come on, lads. Like, it's just, and I I just, I'm... went mental for it? The opposite of invested in these guys. And, like, the finish is fine, but... Like, this is why I sometimes defend skits and bits, right? Because there's absolutely no place for this Adam Cole Kingdom nonsense. But I don't think Bullet Club Gold are any better than when they're backstage farting around. Genuinely, I do. It feels uh,
2: increasingly like a mid-card act. Yeah. And it's only when you put them in the orbit of a world title that that gets brought into
3: focus. Like, I love Juice Robinson having fun with the post-match promos as much as anybody. But I don't buy it as top-line stuff. I don't sort of buy these guys as as a group. As MJF rivals, like to the point where, like, the guns have got their own bit as part of this now. With two words, guns up. It's like, remind you of that when DX was a quartet. But as Comedy DX, even Triple H knew that that was going to lower his ceiling. It was like, I'm going to have to break this up, lads, because I want to be a main eventer. And Jay White doesn't. And it's different when he heals, but I just. I thought this was a real, I think this might have even gone better on the card. It kind of put me in a bit of a low mood for dynamite. I needed something to like lift the energy. I just, they're not main characters, either of these guys, and I couldn't buy in as a result. Uh, So post match, Jay White gets on the mic and
0: says, Cut my music, cut my music, like MJF usually does. Uh, He says, MJF sucks, he isn't here. Uh, But don't worry, an elite champion is JAY. He said, basically, MJF's taking his sweet time answering his challenge to the the, uh, multi man match to get the bang bang belt back. Uh, Because he's got no friends, effectively, and then Juice Robinson, Rock Hard, Juice Robinson gets the mic and says, uh, "Spoiler alert! Tonight he's going to win the Dynamite Dozen Douchebag Rattle Royale. He's going to chuck eleven people over the top rope. He's going to win the stupid ring and pawn it because his TJ Maxx one is much better. Cubic zirconium. And when he wins, he's going to get another gold tooth. And Austin Gunn does the guns up bit. I again, Jay White
2: is not grabbing me by the scruff of the neck and showing me that he's got what it takes to be the top heel in this company or at least convince me that he's got so much momentum and conviction and it that I cannot. I was just like, all right, okay, Jay White's talking, to my go on my phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like he's not yeah. leveling up to that. He hasn't got that main event aura for me right now. You had it at points in New Japan. Um, and again, it's the dichotomy of Jay White. Every single time. No one can really make their mind up, which suggests to me that you do not have that it, that intangible it that the tippy-top stars actually do. I think people talk in circles around the fact that he does or doesn't. I think if he did, a lot of people would just unanimously go, that's the guy. It just feels like he's saying some words obnoxiously. Like,
3: Do you think it's a bit like the five-star match feeling? If you even have to question it, it's not five yes, stars. Yes, it's a, it's, it's a bit like that with J.Y. Like if you have guy. to
2: question it, then he isn't a top guy. Mm. I don't know. I think he's so talented. I think he's such a good in-ring craftsman. But I it's like I get what he's doing. He is a proper, ratty, dickhead. I'm going to cheat. Why wouldn't I cheat? I am a capital H heel, and I'm really obnoxious with it. And I've got no pretensions otherwise. I don't want to entertain you. But then <laughs> you have to be a bit entertaining as well. Like, he's not this captivating presence. I, I think with Bullet Club, I don't He's very don't, studied, isn't he?
3: Yeah. I don't want to come across as a hypocrite with Bullet Club Gold and Jay White because I was a huge fan. You loved them when Punk was on Collision. Yeah. Uh, and to that, to that point, when, when, when Collision still existed before they finished it, wrapped it all up before all in. Yes. Like, the thing with Bullet Club Gold is when he was just arsing around with Juice Robinson, we all agreed what the frig are you doing with, J- with Jay White? he's way above this and that proved to be true but like he reached the level he was above and then he went right the way at the top and it's like no 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 not that high like you're there actually not there and I think unfortunately you you only see that when the people get pushed that's happened in the four pillars program at some point it's like well are these pillars or not like Mm -hmm. what are we doing here with these guys let's put them in a title program and see and sometimes and again I think Jay White's probably better than like, all the pillars, well, at least two of the pillars. He's, he's got more main event mm. pedigree, and he's already had that in New Japan. But, yeah, I think sometimes you just have to see it for yourself. And, again, to compare it to that era of DX, Triple H wasn't ready for the first six months of his push either. And sometimes you need the right program, and this maybe isn't it. And I just think it's been laid bare. Like, when they were first getting over on Collision, yeah, it felt like, here we are, finally, right, Jay white is where he belongs. But it's like, yes, in tag main events against FTR, because that's an upper mid-card thing. Gap between upper mid-card and main event is pretty big, and sometimes Mm. you don't see it until it's happening in front of you. Uh,
0: So Rene Paquet is backstage with MJF. He is there, actually. uh, And he says, look, I could have run out there um, and got my ass handed to me like every single dumb good guy. But lucky for me, I'm not a good guy. I'm a scumbag. Um, And I'm out out later commentating on the beautiful Diamond Ring Battle Royal. uh, I'm not going to waste an entrance pop on the Bang Bang Gang, basically. Uh, and he says, I actually do hope Juice Robinson wins and tonight. he got a big time entrance pop yeah. as well. Yeah. He says, I do hope Juice wins tonight because it's going to be the left hand of God versus the right hand of the devil. I like that. Hand stuff. Um, <laughs> do you like hand stuff? Do you, Wilborn? Yeah, well, I love a bit of hand stuff. Um, he asked, uh, he's asked about Adam Gull. Nice old fashioned. Uh, but uh,
1: <laughs> Billy Gunn
0: and the acclaimed Gullin to ask Shit. about his
3: partners. This used to be a goddamn. wrestling <laughs> This show. used to be a goddamn podcast. Uh, Billy Gunn and the Why don't I see that Brett video? The other rounds, I think, like, what the hell happened to pro wrestling?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Billy Gunn and the Acclaim come in uh, to sort of say, you know, if you need partners. We're right here. Um, and Max Caster says, look, we can we can accept the challenge, and then when we win, we can all scissor. And MJF politely declines. Let's say, and Caster says, well, I'm going to be in the Battle Royal tonight. I'm going to win. Um, and I'm going to beat you and win the d- ring, and then I'm going to force you to put a ring on it. And MJF just storms off, and uh, Anthony Bones berates Max Caster for the way that he's doing this, and Billy Gunn says, that guy's such a scumbag, and Caster with hot eyes says, yeah, but he's my scumbag.
3: It's not clicking, and yet I kind of want them to stick with it. There was something in the Battle Royal, I know jumping ahead, where I felt as if something had worked enough to make... Max Caster feel like a possible winner and make that thing with juice dramatic when it had no right because the winner was you know the outcome. Was stone really cold in big. the rumble, wasn't it? Yeah, totally. Um so the backstage stuff and the actual chemistry when they're together isn't there yet. I kind of feel like this is worth persisting with. I'm sort of on the hook, but I'm not even sure what I'm on the hook for. <laughs> Are they the attackers? Are they, something about their anti chemistry is making me want them to keep going with it?
2: MJF and Caster. I don't necessarily like the undertones here. I'll just leave it at that. Mm. When they become mates in the ring, on t- when when MGF scissors Max yes. Caster, yeah. the pop is going
3: to be out the ass. Is this going to piss people off again? Because another like, oh, story about friendship. It's like, well, I, people like that now. The fan profile is changing. Like, is that going to annoy people? Because it's not going to feel like a, I'm not one of these critics. By the way, is that not like going to be a feel to some people like a retread of the Cole thing?
2: Did anyone say this when uh, Rhodes and Volkov? Where, uh, no. Or like, you know, uh, Hogan, um, when Warrior and Hogan.
3: Yeah. The, I respect his... Like WrestleMania age. Yeah, it's better than the fight itself, but like people hate it now. It's, it's, it's Mankind like, and The Rock. Yeah, I love it. It's it's better than the fighting. This, this has happened forever. Punk, Punk and Wardlow's moment was just... Oh, Jesus Christ. They this just has not, happened. They just nodded their respect to each other. Like, that's...
2: like I, I get it. There's a there's a different way of telling stories about friendship. It could just be two badasses being badasses together instead of going a little bit deeper, mm. as Colin MGF and you know Sammy and Jay so did. But it's it's been a thing. Yeah. Let's not pretend it was never like, you know, part and parcel of the millennial fan experience from the day it's a little blob of spunk in your father.
3: <coughs> yeah. Uh.
2: <laughs> It's not my line, by the way. It's not my line. But carry on. We'll, we'll be professional.
3: You don't think of the blob on the on the inside, do you? When you think of the blob on the... Yeah, yeah, You think of them as the swimmers on the inside. I thought
2: you were talking about Johnny's there. No, Christ. <laughs> no. Don't,
3: need, <laughs> don't need them anymore. Shoot, move on. Move on. Talk about scissoring. That's move the, on. That's
2: scissoring that counts at my age. No one wants this, I don't think. Oh, yeah. I,
3: I apologize for this getting too crude.
0: <laughs> I made it crass. It was his fault. <laughs> he started it. Yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> It was Hikaru Shida versus Emi Sakura next, Uh, a title eliminator match. Uh, Hikaru Shida makes her entrance, and Sakura uses this as a chance to jump her from behind. It's teacher versus student, they're saying. Uh, There was a video package set up as well beforehand. Someone tweeted that Excalibur must—I think it was Trevor Dame—Excalibur must have recorded this,
2: worrying about his neighbors waking up when he did the (laughs) pre-record because I couldn't hear it, and it's like spot
3: on. It's like, what are you saying? When was it announced? Like sort of two hours before showtime? Do you think he was like at the desk at the time? <laughs>
2: That's one explanation. I've just thought of another. Either the explanation is, I think it was Trevor Dame outlined mm. that Excalibur pre-recorded it at home, like really got the text really late and got the, the copy really late and thought, I don't want to wake up the neighbors. Okay, so I'm secure an ice ribbon. A <laughs> or, or Tony Khan Told Excalibur, X got another job for you, ever the professional. Excalibur says, yes, Tony, what can I do? So we're going to run a um, a video package ahead of a women's match. And Excalibur was like so stunned (laughs) that a little bit of effort had been made (laughs) that he was just... Recording his lines just <laughs> while recoiling in shock. <laughs> well, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm um, secure it was a nice <laughs> ribbon as she trained a uh, Karoshida. It's like, sorry, I'm just I'm just bowled over.
3: Option C, they just recycled an old video package from when these two fought before and just like thought, oh the sound isn't quite right with this latest one. Just like turn it down a little bit. And <laughs> by then, can't be arsed. Awesome, yeah. I mean <laughs> um, Just to shut them idiots on that podcast
0: of dumb Brits. Dumb Brits. So, Sakura fires off some chops. Uh, Shida comes comes back with four arms and the machine gun chops in the corner um, from uh, uh, Sakura. Um, Shida hit the crossbody. Um, there's a pumping knee in there and a rolling crucifix for two and punches in the corner. Uh, Shida missed the uh, follow-up crossbody. Uh, Sakura nailed her in the corner and uh, take her to the outside as we go to a break. When we come back, uh, they brawl to the outside. Sakura sprints down the ramp, but uh, Shida at her. They go back inside. Sheeta hits a huge missile drop kick for two. Uh, they sort of trade finisher attempts and near falls, um, but Sakura hits there with the uh, high stack tiger driver for a nice two count. Right, right.
1: Oh my god!
0: That's all, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Sakura goes up top, misses a moonsault uh, that allows she to hit the uh, katana knee, but uh, Sakura explodes out of one and gets a la magistral for a really close two count as well.
1: Oh my god! She's
0: the best in the biz at doing that move. She's awesome at it.
3: I want to say as well that, like, I I think. That little bit might have been improvised because of the whiff a little bit on the katana. I think like, like yeah. we're not going to... But
2: she's nah. a pro, obviously. She's a yeah, massively
3: like, experienced veteran pro. This isn't the finish, Lisa. We're going again. I'll then we'll do it. Like, I thought that played out brilliantly compared to when you see a lot of what was see on team. I've done it now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 finish. Like, get out of here.
0: <laughs> uh, they trade Tiltle World back breakers. Sheena hits the falcon arrow and hits, after a kick out, just goes, i oh, just kick your head off then. It it's the it, That last
3: section felt like bonus content. Oh, oh well,
0: we go again. Basically yeah. the guitar and a one, two, three. She no, uh, the title wasn't on the line, but she beats uh, Emmy Sakura.
2: Really enjoyed this. Short, snug, like really physical. Jim Ross would like this, yeah. I and mean, Jim Ross would have really loved this because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was physical, physicality, of course. That's what I'm referring to. <laughs> uh, I there was, I've always had this thing with Sheeda, where I can completely understand why she's over. I've thoroughly enjoyed the very best Hikaru Shida matches, almost as much as anything in AEW. Um, I think she's so good at the finishing sequence. Like, she's so good at crafting that one near fall where you're, like, fist-pumping in your living room because you kind of believe that you get more of this awesomeness. The the rap on Shida for me is that sometimes she doesn't look like she's laying it in properly. Mm. Some of her stuff can look look a little bit tepid, and that thought was banished from my head when she um, did the knee to the gut oh, reverse yeah. the cross body, I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was like, I was, I'm surprised Sakura carried on. I thought, you oh, <laughs> gotta be, she's got to be badly winded from that. And then, no, she wasn't winded. In fact, she did this awesome display uh, awesome display of cardio for that pinning sequence. And then, did you watch it on fight? Of course you did. We're in the UK, and that's the way to watch it.
3: I flew she, over to yeah. the US stateside. TVS. Yeah.
2: She was awesome in uh, picture-on-picture as well she did the um you know like what's a, what's a move like the inverted tombstone setup where yeah. you've got them by the hooked them by the arms mm-hmm. she did that for like 30 seconds straight and then just flipped her over with a backbreaker like she held her up for an awesome amount of time like summoning dread like the core
3: strength like more emi sakura yeah i thought this ruled like emi sakura just in general, tends to deliver when put in these positions. But it's also, like, wishy-washy, isn't it? Like, you're there. You're not even a challenger for the week, because this wasn't even a title, but you're just a challenger of the week type figure.
2: Um she, Didn't she just lose very recently as well? Yeah.
3: Like, well, I think this was as much I mean, as now, anything. Didn't she lose all of the time as <laughs> well? <yeah. laughs> as much as anything, this was... I love it when you have the chemistry of either best friends or mentor teachers where they can just lay in, and there's obviously all that trust and all that chemistry. It's great. If you're going to rush... I'll say this. This is like the best version of kind of AW's worst thing. Because if you're going to rush a women's match on the television at the last minute because you forgot that you're supposed to have one, <laughs> A, it should feature the champion. Because when nobody gets a high-profile role, for God's sake, give it to your champion. Give it to Sheeta and give it to Statlander until somebody else wins the belt. And B, give it to somebody that's going to give that champion their best possible match. Because mm. that's what these bookings are. They just rush bookings with no story, with no obvious. Look, even in the singles matches here, we're talking about, well, what direction... Is the winner going to go off in? Why was this loser selected? You never really get to do that with a women's division. Not really. Outcasts a little bit, but otherwise not really. So just put your best foot forward, and that's what this was. Like, Shida has a chance, yet again, of becoming that credible women's champion that nobody loves in their guts but really, really likes if you just book matches like this. Like and that's probably like that's her ceiling realistically in AW. You saw more force stuff like this. So there was a women's match in the first hour. One last thing to do then before we get to
0: the uh, name of the game. What's the uh, what's the aim of the game, Sige?
2: The aim of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second the first note of the first entrance theme for the first woman to emerge for the only women's match on Dynamite. To underscore, italicize, and put in bold how apathetic, obligatory, passionless. This entire approach to women's wrestling in AEW is, for the most part, we used to play this game when every single week it was the second-to-last match, the mm-hmm. penultimate match, so it always was in that one hour, 22 to 25. doesn't really work anymore. They've tried to cheat in the most obvious way possible. Basically, you're sat in a school exam, right? This is how much they're cheating. You're sat in your school gym, the school gym, or the school hall. Gymnasium. The gymnasium. Study hall. Study hall, or wherever they do their tests. Um, or maybe even in class. I don't know where you do your tests in America. We always used to do it in like the sports hall. Basically. After recess,
3: we used to do SATs.
2: SATs. We call them SATs. Yeah. yeah. GC, whatever. You do it You're in the. You're chasing do it, that 4.0. You do it in the sports hall, right? And their, their way of cheating. Not always in the penultimate but match guys, and the division actually counts and we care <laughs> is to just swap it around a little bit. <laughs> Their version of cheating is to be in the sports hall. The invigilators yep. are uh walking up and down, did making
3: Did you?
0: Yeah.
2: Imagine that. How,
3: how did you do that? Like I could just imagine. How you, you allowed
2: school? And so you do that up and down, and uh, the teachers are there, and it's the equivalent of just getting the calculator going. That's how obvious the cheat code is here. That's the aim of the game, of course. Oh, of course, Jesus Christ. The name <laughs> of the game. As well, this is Ladies Night. And I'm thinking, oh, what a night!
3: Takes uh. <laughs> it up. Makes up, that's his gun. I was into that. His second gun casualty in his many days. It's become it's become lore to itself at this point. I like watching him move. Oh, I think oh. they They're good. They're good yeah. <laughs>
0: The good thing about AEW is that there's, there was no space for any other women's matches on the show. Yeah. It's not like they had two carbon copy uh, squash matches on the show; yeah. they could have swapped out for a women's
3: match. Arguably, three if you include a promo about uh, another carbon copy <laughs> yeah, squash yeah. match. For yeah.
0: you. Uh, Michael Havlett won this week. Uh shout out, as always to uh, Adam Blair, Adam Wilton for, and Jose Palomares at the Ho Eleven, the guys who always take care of the um, data for this sort of thing. Uh, what was our guesses, uh, Michael Cedric in descending? I'm never going to learn. I'm nope. never
2: going to no. learn. Can't be. F- <laughs> Asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had there, Don't had put there. that in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> had there,
3: lads? Uh, you were an invigilator, <laughs> right, wait, Let's go. Oh, hang on. on.
0: GPA, great point
3: average. How, right? how are you not walking up in the desk? Oh, I think that's wrong. I
0: have we another look at that. T- uh, we had Asbo Row. I remember. You gonna stand on the. Uh, oh, that is the, so. Oh. Yeah, a piece so, of mate. That's <laughs>
2: classist. That is so classist.
3: So you should have been in the school. should have called in. it
2: Azro as well. <laughs> Very yeah, I no, at
3: least got the wordplay right.
2: Um, so according... <laughs>
3: You're <a> garbage, <laughs> you. Man. That's
2: great. Honestly, a total dickhead. Total dickhead. Um, according to my text message, the latest one is... Uh, oh, we're doing the game? No, 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 we're not doing that game. Uh. Salmon ham bread. Red? <laughs> yeah, I just... I always need something from the shop.
0: Okay, yeah. Oh, right, yeah.
2: We do the Hello Fresh, and then we run out, and then we think... Do we just set aside 20 minutes to write a proper shopping <laughs> list and get a delivery, or do you just go day by day? Yeah. So we're going Sp- day by day at the minute. Speaking
3: of watching on TBS, by the way, they keep running adverts for Panera Bread, and I know it's not just a bread shop, but I welcome our, like, American listeners or viewers or whatever to let us know, like, what the sandwich quality is like from Panera Bread, because that family getting together around a Panera Bread looks absolutely good, And this <laughs> is, like, sometimes sure. like... Sometimes like two in the morning, I'm thinking, "Well, I've just, I'm full of cereal, and yet now I want that sandwich." America's the best. Yeah, America's the best, man. Don't eat in America. No,
2: um, <sighs> always be. Eating. Well, we'll go the other way to the other way for Hamlet because it makes more sense. In last place, yes. me, <laughs> one hour twenty two minutes and thirty one seconds. Up next, Wilborn, cheeky bastard, one hour twenty one minutes <laughs> fifty nine seconds. I about that. <laughs> and your winner. Zero yeah. hours, 45 minutes and knee seconds.
3: Yeah. It's Michael Hamflit. First hour faith in it when we previewed it, a match that didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were booking, to- when's Tony Storm going to rock up? Yeah, Tony Storm squash, I think we were
0: booking. It was, uh, thanks to Adam Blair, 26 minutes and 50 seconds.
3: There you go. Second hour next week. Banker. Yeah. They switch it up. And they don't know what
1: they're doing. We're wise to their game. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Rene Paquette is backstage with uh, Adam Copeland, who says uh, things haven't been exa- exactly going smoothly since I showed up in AEW. Uh, I don't understand why that is. Uh, he, you know, the whole reason he came was to end his career with Chris, teaming with Christian Cage, who seemed on board, but then the closer it got, the, more, the less he seemed to want it. Um, he talks about them meeting in sixth grade, Cage being the new kid and uh, him being sent out to to talk, talk him in and sharing a love of wrestling They became best friends. They go through life. There's an essay contest to get free uh, wrestling lessons. Um, Adam wrote in, Christian just didn't. Uh, Adam gave Cage the uh, confidence to train. And then Adam gets the dream gig. Six months, he keeps talking about Christian. He thinks that, genuinely thinks that Christian is the most underrated wrestler of all time. Um, And it says he's always been, like Adam and Jay or E and C. But that's not my fault. And yet Cage has sort of let this fester. Um, Cage always claims that Adam had a rock, rocket strapped to his back, but that kind of minimizes what he had to do to get where he did. Um, a Part of him feels like Cage would not be where he is if it wasn't for him as well, to be fair. Um, he doesn't want to think that way, but the proof is there. Renee asks him about jealousy and, and why he's uh, surprised. Uh, and he's like, why are we doing this? It's especially at this stage of our careers, we're godfathers of each other's kids. I never meant to take the spotlight away. I do not want to win the TNT title. Um, I don't want Cage to, you know, crash and burn. Um, And She's like, well, what do you want then? And uh, he says, I'm I'm not going to fight Christian Cage. I don't know what this means for me. All I do know that is when eventually Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus leave uh, Christian Cage high and dry, he's going to be there uh, for when Cage hits the ground to pick him up.
3: I kind of loved this. I thought it was tremendous. It was exposition heavy, but I think that's reasonable because you don't have to have read Edge's book or watched Edge talk on this subject. The many times he has. Their relationship, obviously, is as storied as anything else in his career, but they shouldn't assume that of AEW fans. Uh, I couldn't have loved this more, really. Yesterday on the preview, I said, oh, let's just, like, get to the match graphic, and I was... Dead wrong, because rather than just flashing it up right now, they've instead moved it as far away as they possibly can. Neither guy wants it. Yeah, like Christian will no-sell all of this, whereas Edge, by not wanting the match, is in fact selling it as the worst possible outcome, which is kind of inspired, if you think about where those two characters are. To move from all of these stories, I mean, for on screen they were brothers for years, but to move from basically telling you he's spent his life as the bigger brother and now he's going to be the bigger man is basically copying the Bret Hart Owen Hart homework and we've said this before if you're going to copy homework just copy the best homework there is a certain condescension to the things that Adam Copeland was saying that will justify Christian actually becoming quite rattled by this but it's his role currently to no sell that I thought Adam Copeland measured this brilliantly as well because there is a certain you can come across as a bit patronizing when you say you know i I uh, I told you to do the essay, and you, you didn't. So this is kind of on you, if anything. Mm. All of this roots back to these little things being, I got you in the school. Like, he is negging him, but it's done in such a, a delicate way that Adam Copeland remains the out-and-out babyface here. This is, like, I would delay this as long as you can justify, and it seems to me that they've set up both characters a way to justify doing that for ages. Well,
2: they're doing a six-man, obviously, first. Mm. Set that well, yeah. up, I would do that, and then just do minimal, minimal Copeland-Cage interaction. When they do that trios match, minimal. I'm with you. The idea that Edge doesn't quite want to do it, uh, Copeland doesn't quite want to do it, um, and Christian is like a sniveling coward, so he doesn't really want to do it either. Like it's fascinating. It's great episodic TV. How does this come together? It's not like like AW signpost a lot. I don't know where the sign is for this. I don't even know mm-hmm. where the direction is for this. Um, I thought this is like actually masterful from Copeland's part, as you said. What he said. Could be interpreted and will be interpreted by Christian as patronizing, condescending, same old Adam, story of your life, and I want to end it pretty much. It was also the truth. Mm-hmm. This is the truth, I imagine, or like or they've sold it to me as the truth. Yeah. Um, regardless. So you've got the baby face just being out front, truthful. I love the idea of how do you feel dunno, of course he's conflicted. Yeah. Um, I thought the exposition to content to delivery balance was precarious but genuinely like really really good there's always some of it Mm. in pro wrestling but there are people who started watching wrestling well after the edge and Christian law and WWE just was over and done with and they barely interacted really when they were sort of in their lat in their twilight years of their first proper runs so you've He ticked literally every single box without ever feel like, right, I'm getting to this bit, I'm getting to this bit. It just felt like this
3: naturalistic
2: chat. Mm. I honestly thought this was so, so
3: well done. In terms of signposts and destination, obviously it's easy to think of, say, like pay-per-views. And it's like, well, it's not going to be full gear now, so maybe it'll be revolution or whatever. I wonder if they're a bit more savvy with this and the kind of disastrous Canadian tour is a demon they want to tackle, and you could do some big business in Toronto with this first meeting.
2: You could, but unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is booked out well in advance yeah. of
3: like maybe ironing out the details in Edge in
2: Copeland's contract. I can call them Edge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going like, oh, go <laughs> to. Well, like,
3: you felt like the need to fix Canada because they made a bit of a hash of it this year, didn't they? Yes, so, like, there's a big day like, in Toronto or somewhere, or a big building that's, like, local, that means something to both of them that you would probably get a monster house for as the first... I've been in Toronto before, <laughs> maybe. House, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, if you think about that, um, that SmackDown thing with Sheamus, like, a perfect send-off from WWE Yeah, you know, the first time he's back there is for this. It would be massive. It would, massive, it it, would you know, but so. just these, I think,
0: logistically, it's mm. probably not... You can't do this. You can't do it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Nemeth faced... Wardlow, incredibly briefly next, uh, Nemeth. I mean, fair play to him. He did have a strategy. He thought, well, try and get Wardlow before he's ready. Charged at him, tried to fight off, and then immediately got hit with a huge power bomb, and that was it. Referee he looked like the
3: softest man alive. Referee called it at that.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's gone for good, and he ain't ever coming
3: back. So get over it. I'm I'm gonna be seeing Punk he uh, got three quarters of the word on the ass of his tights and he still can't be fucking... Total loser. Post. Brother's a loser, too. <laughs> Go off. Uh, can I just say that I'm not defending uh, Ryan Nemeth here? <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just to make that
2: abundantly clear, I'm not Team Nemeth.
0: So... Uh,
3: said fo- everybody ever.
2: I'm just anti-Hamful, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Following this murder, Tony Giovanni gets in. I did like the fact he started asking the question and then sort of was like, when he was close up to the... Corpse. I was like, oh, bloody hell. (laughs) Uh, And then he said, uh, what are you back for, Wardlow? And Wardlow simply held up his wrist tape that had the letters MJF written on it, and he shoves down Tony Schiavone and storms off. Brilliant. Could be read either way this, I thought, as well. You automatically assume, oh, he's coming to kick MJF's ass. But the question was, what are you back for? And he just said MJF.
3: Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a mystery. It's a better mystery than the attackers at this point. Totally. I'm an advocate for them actually finding their way back together rather than yeah. feuding. Like, personally, I know that there's like there's arguments for both, but I'd like to see them come together somehow. Um, I, I kind of love this. I think it's I think it's the best version of, to your point, we had three on this show, which was bad agenting, because this was the best version of it. I'm banging awardlow again, which is a real achievement if you think about where they were at with him. And even if you are just... Going Route One and he's coming to fight MJF and he wants to batter him. The justification for it is there, isn't it? Yeah. Like this guy has ruined my life multiple times and I never got there like the true vindication. Cause when I did, he kind of stole the conversation anyway. Yeah. So there's a low oxygen
0: mask on his eyes or whatever.
3: <laughs> yes. <Yeah. it was? laughs> there's loads of meat on the bones if it is just a straight up feud, but I'm not so convinced it is. Mask class. Yeah. Continues to be class. I would say
2: maybe the one power bomb I wasn't convinced by this. Like it was a great execution. And look, you know, Nemeth took an amazing bump. You yes. can't take that away from him. It's in the family, is it? Uh, you <laughs> cannot take that away from the guy. Great bump. I would be wary of going a bit too much on that. Like several brutal looking, but very safe He's very good, uh, power bombs in a row. Absolutely fine. Because if you can avoid the power bombs, you've got a chance against Wardlow. The idea that he can hit you with one and it'd be a knockout, that, a bit much for me. And I'm very lenient with the in-ring. Do what you want. Like just it. don't take the piss out of me with the stories <laughs> or, the, or the framework. Do yeah. what you want in the ring.
0: Yeah, treat yourself in there. It's, a, it's an Irish whip. I just, yeah. I do like the idea of them going, uh, yeah, Wardlow is the devil, actually. I, his body shape looks a little bit different. I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, Renee Baguette's backstage with Kenny Omega. Who says his win loss record has been quite putrid lately? Uh, and he thanks Carl Fletcher for challenging him, reminding him who he is. He's the litmus test, Siege. Um And he says, once, Damn right. He says, Once I defeat uh, Carl Fletcher and dispatch of the Don Callis family, who knows? Maybe it's time for the Kenny Omega of all to challenge for the AEW world title. Press the friggin' button, Sidge.
2: Oh, don't worry.
1: Thanks, Oh, my God. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god.
2: Someone grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, and I think someone else. <laughs> it was
0: great. <laughs> like, powers,
2: power's back. <laughs> just instantly, it just feels right when yep. he says something like that.
0: Watched his uh, Mox promo, didn't we, yesterday? Oh, Jesus Christ.
2: Oh, my God. What a piece of business. I had the tournament go for you, John? <laughs> <laughs> First try. First uh, try. Anyway, here. Like that. <sniffs> it's just such a knob. He's so good <laughs> at being a knob.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm mic'd up. Yeah. Dim the lights. It, uh, I love it, again. Check. Well, <laughs> a, little, a little hardcore match. Check. Check a little hardcore match. <laughs> um, he uh, he uh, MGF comes in, sorry, and calls Kenny the measuring to stick. Says he's always been a fan. He wants to shake his hand. He shakes his hand, and he leans in and says, 13 days, bitch."
2: MGF, Kenny, and Collision. Then that's not. Being... Well, I
0: thought they were just excited about Halloween.
2: Sorry. I got... <laughs> Kenny does like to dress up.
3: He does like to dress yeah. up. He does like to dress up. Are they doing that in college? Maybe. Or Kenny just has to cope with the fact that is gonna break his record and that's gonna motivate him to actually try. They don't do out by accident this company. Well they do, they do. <laughs> but they are not
2: making you think, hang on, does that mean that within thirteen days we are going to get a Kenny Omega versus MGF match? Certainly that was the first thing that popped into
3: my head, and then it's not dated. Could they? You could have the Callis family injure Kenny so he isn't able to stop the record being broken. And this is like a long, long down. Because I, I didn't have it as a... I think MJF breaks the record. Yeah. But Kenny has to live with that. And that's what annoys him. He's like, you know what? This year has been putrid. He's got an awesome
2: it. track record, AEW, of... And it's, again, when people say, you know, it's not as good as it was as a promotion, to an extent agree, I agree, but my God... They've got such an an incredible track record of doing a match on TV or a match on a pay-per-view and then making you pay for it and anticipate the hell out of it for like $50 for the privilege. Cool MGF was on telly and they went 30 minutes and then the eve of All In before the storyline frittered away a little bit. (laughs) Like the drama was out the arse for that. Hangman... Omega doing the opener and then the closer of full gear, punk MJF. Like so the code basically is what I'm saying is do Omega MJF on TV. There's enough ideas between the two of them yeah. to like tell the next three years of AEW storytelling
3: if you wanted. It was just amazing. I have like lately I've just not been feeling much watching AEW. And the last time I felt like this was when Paige and Swerve came together. We were talking about this in the office this morning. Like the Sid so just got a great counterpoint to this point, but... Um, a rated R rebuttal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nice to see the stars, the proper stars of this show, interacting with one another, and even if it's not, like, right, right now, you immediately know the match is coming just because otherwise, why they've been put on screen together. It's nice to have that feeling again because it just felt like we went a long time where you were in a bit of a desert for this kind of thing. I
2: Like, the, one of the reasons why Tony Khan doesn't do this often is he loves a rotating cast... He he embraces all styles as a booker, but he also very pragmatically has one eye on um, just matches you can do down the line, Mm. down the line. And sometimes I'm like, you're taking too long. I'm getting a bit bored. But I get it because if you have a moment like this, like when you've got two wrestlers of that star quality interacting for the first time and it feels like the seismic event of, oh, I didn't think this was possible. Of course it is. You've had them... uh, like on con under contract for four years or
3: whatever, I get it. I get it. Maybe a little bit more balance is required. Do you know what else I got from this as well? And this is almost in spite of the quality of the promo that we got later on. We were talking about like the Takesha thing hasn't ever really felt like it's clicked the callous stuff. This made the callous feed feel trivial by comparison. I was like, I was watching this thinking, there's Kenny Omega, there's a Kenny yeah. Omega match. He's been farting around, and he's not. They were earnestly working at a few that they'd put the build and the effort into, and Callus had loads. Like, loads of lore. It should have hit more than it did. It's weird how it hasn't, yeah, really. But that suddenly made that feel like his is like petty gripe and concern because this is the big boy yeah. thing, and it, that was great. It's weird.
2: I think this thing with uh, Omega and Callus is that Omega is so phenomenal at so many things, and we'll get into that, like, what, in the next c- couple of minutes. One thing he's never been particularly great at, and this is maybe a choice, is that fired up, one hundred percent, wronged, vengeful baby face. And when the character has just been betrayed, that's the baby face he needs to be, realistically. But he just hasn't been it.
3: Yeah, I remember the um, firing squad angle was amazing, and there was never any real. Fault yeah, there. he didn't put a lot of heat into it. They didn't feel like very credible heels either. So both sides didn't really commit yeah. to that split, did they? Like, uh, it's so weird as well. This
2: is a guy who can do, who can capture that emotion in one second, whereas some wrestlers do 500 promos, will never do it. When he kicks out of a finisher at one, does that, <laughs> it's like you've he, he's got that energy in him.
0: Yeah,
3: Someone needs to just grab him by the scruff of the neck and say, that energy you've got, do it in a promo. Mm. Well, the thing about the, he was angry on, Kurt behalf in the revolution tag. Like, Aye. How dare you offend oh, yeah. like Kurt and thus offend my sensibilities. That captures all of that, doesn't it? Cares more
2: about a bushi than himself.
3: Yeah. Probably Kenny Omega is too nice a guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently his taste in rest is not what it was. Right. I mean, you like raw, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's true. Well, next we went to Roderick Strong's house. You like A.W., so. Keep going. Money. (laughs) Couple more.
2: No! No! No, no! No! That's enough for you.
0: Mike Bennett's playing the bongos and singing uh, neck strong instead of head strong. I trapped. Yeah. I don't know how you can do ironic new metal and make me resent it. I'm all
2: about ironic new metal me. So I was very unironic, earnest new metal when I was uh, a youth.
3: Yeah. I just remember this from being used definitely on a WWE pay-per-view or video. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. That one of them. Yes. E- even if it's like Berenstain Bears. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have, oh, even if I haven't. <laughs>
0: uh, Adam Cole brings him some uh, coffee, but he spits it out saying he hates hot. Why do you f***ing ask for it then, Roddy? To be fair,
2: from what I've learned on my ongoing coffee adventure, it is better to... <laughs> Make it with very boiling water, but allow it to mellow for the flavors to develop. So maybe Roderick Strong is telling Adam Cole the correct advice, but maybe he could just wait. He's suggesting that, like, because you've got to brew it boiling hot. So, in fact, Adam Cole is correct. Do you think he likes it strong? Yeah.
0: yeah. Stronger uh, <laughs> says, oh, because
2: Adam Cole. I don't know
0: things about coffee. Adam don't know. Do <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's know.
2: about the extraction, not really the inherent strength of the coffee beans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll just watch some guy on YouTube. Uh so Adam Cole's extraction. Adam Cole's and he's gonna storm off and strong apologises and says, Yo, you know what I used to love when we were back in back in Ring of Honor when you used to make those good old P B and J's and Cole gets smart. Oh.
2: No, 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 no. They're
0: children. You know what I
2: love the we I, mean, I, I know them. that's the joke. They are children and I hate them. What I loved when we were back in Ring of Honor it was when we were good.
0: <laughs> like now. Uh, what is this, man? So a shout out quickly to John Harrison at Wrong Function on uh, Twitter who did this for the Dynamite Review last week because it's time for some slow motion. Oh,
2: God. Uh,
0: <sighs> slow motion, peanut butter, jelly sandwiches being made. <laughs> and they're pulling faces and spreading it on bread. Uh, hey,
2: I, I was actively telling my television, I'm sorry. To go f- itself here.
3: I thought you were say, I'm sorry, I love you, and then you super kick it. No, honestly, <laughs> this was shoot disgusting. I would have got so
2: much catharsis out of super kicking that telly in this moment. Yeah. I had a visceral,
1: <sighs>
2: yeah, <laughs> reaction of total and utter. I what are you doing? I hate this hatred.
3: Yeah, like what? Who thinks the slow motion's funny? It's I'd, I'd even the deployment of it. It's very, very WWE and how it's like you know when Vincent Man would tell fairy tales that he'd never heard before. So yeah, he'd get the fairy tale wrong and the whole. Cra- that's not Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, started. Jack and the Beanstalk didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. This like they've they're not like comedy writers. They're pro wrestling guys. So they just when's when slow mo funny? Just whenever you want. It's just people doing stuff, but slow down. That's what makes it funny. No, that's not what makes slow mo no, funny. slow
2: is funny <laughs> is when something's really fast. Yeah, and then you slow it down. I'm making a sandwich. So you can get like that. You can actually see the reaction from someone running away in fear. And people can do daft faces. Wilborn, do a slow motion. I'm running away because something terrifying is behind me. That's why he's on podcasts.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? You're right completely. Like food, super slow motion. Like a pizza advert. It needs to be slowed right the way down so you can see the cheese separating. Oh my God.
2: The turtles ooze. Yeah. The this turtles ooze. Cartoon
3: food, right? This is, looks delicious. It does. This wasn't even that. It was just like, just spread. you can barely make out the peanut butter. It's just, it's a spreading action. The arm is the slow bit. Ooh, slow wrist. <laughs> like you can't, it's not like he's taken out of the, the jar and he's like, actually, that peanut butter looks good. I'd have one of them. This wasn't an effective sandwich advert because believe me, I see about 10 Panera <laughs> Bread ones across two <laughs> hours. But like, I was just... I, I hate this. <laughs> like I, I hate I, I was, so much. I was hardly the high guy. I just wasn't the lowest guy on these... I get it. This was miserable viewing. Miserable.
2: You knew It felt like a threat last week as well. Yeah. Because after the terrible one last week, Roderick Strong basically teed up that they're doing another one this week and say, Adam, I've just got one more thing I want you to do. And that felt at least like, all right, okay. Well, uh, The thing I want you to do is about wrestling. That's fine. No, I want you to make some coffee and a sandwich. What?
3: All <laughs> uh, he uh, week he's been there. You know when Mac and Dennis get that house in the suburbs? Yes. It's always sunny. And this feels just as miserable as they are in there. <laughs> the whole point Except that,
2: that one's really funny. This yeah, it's incredibly yes.
3: funny. But you know how, like, it's intentional that it's supposed to feel almost too detached from not just Philly in the bar, but reality. Like, what have they walked into that they cannot cope with? Has Adam Cole been home in three weeks? And is that the question we should be asking? Mm. Like, has he gone home? MJF's was like sort of, uh, he didn't get a chance to answer the question well. He's, he's at least been there seven days.
2: Because there was a seven-day gap, and that's why MGF hasn't been able to get in touch with them for a while.
3: Yeah. So, is, but is he going back? And then, and if so, why? Because this is a miserable-looking experience. This does feel like misery. Actually, that's what like, I said last week. If you put this in the
2: vague context of pro wrestling, Adam Cole is a stupid baby face. Yeah. Like, you, like even if you've got this fondness and a years of friendship with Roderick Strong, that like you don't want to throw away, even though he's been a bit of a bitch, right? You're getting played, and you're an idiot if you can't see that. And he's only, f- he's only, he's fed up now. Should have been fed up last week. In fact, they should have just stopped the cameras there, thrown them in the swamp in Florida.
3: If we count the confused, injury-prone Fish and O'Reilly era on this, 2019 NXT booked the undisputed era better than AEW because <laughs> both these runs have kind of stunk. When you have put these characters together that you're so excited to watch, finally merge but, uh, on a different show that's supposed to be their happy place. It's
2: been highs, but it's not nowhere near the same. No, like Kyle O'Reilly had a really cool. Spot on a three-way at Revolution, nice. a great match with John Moxley. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Strong has been vaguely amusing in this role up to a point. Cole's run has been so uneven. Like, Jericho was yeah. like
3: face of God stuff. With Strong is like, oh my god, this is I don't know what I expected, but this is fifty times better than I ever could have imagined. It's yeah. going to be perfect, and it's going to make Cole and Jericho even better. One month later, yes, <laughs> yes, I hate this so much. Like, oh. So
0: they've made the sandwich not even finished yet and Strong bites into it and then spits it out because he hates crusts. Remember my Oh audience. my God, I'm not being funny. I know the guy
2: gets out like their children, right? But Why would I enjoy this? My five-year-old daughter, I cut the crusts off a sandwich. Do you eat them afterwards?
3: No. Do you not like crusts, Well, I like crusts, we but why, crusts would I eat,
2: why would I eat discarded dry crusts just because it's food and it's, it's there? It's food and it's in front of you. <laughs> <know>. Yeah, true.
3: Ask <laughs> silly questions.
2: It's a very silly question. So I know that's the joke. Roderick Strong's being a baby. It's pathetic. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not.
0: Yeah, trash. So Cole's finally had enough at this point. He uh, he's furious. He's he's not been home. He's he done. saw the crusts. They're not like
2: invisible crusts. <laughs> Why know. did he have? The, he only took the bite into it
0: <laughs> to
2: <laughs> do <laughs> the
3: segment for ten minutes. I
2: don't give a shit. <laughs> How I mean, long we take? Exactly. We have to get it right. How bad it was. Yeah, they did. Oh, I don't like crust. Why given it? We've seen it, so don't bite into the sandwich. But they have to do this bite into the sandwich to do the like the the gross outside gag. Yeah, You're, you, no one knows how to craft bad comedy in this company anymore. And the worst thing is, they can actually craft good comedy elsewhere. I, I've got three notifications.
3: Sorry, I'm on YouTube and uh, but I always think, what's going on here? Gross outside gag stuff is awful. I'm pretty sure for the five-star review, Kid Icarus will let us know. We reviewed Matt Hardy eating pizza that time. You know, there's a pizza in his mouth and he's swooshing it around with a drink. And looked, And you know that, like, Vince is watching, cackling backstage because he loves, he thinks this is what comedy is, gross out stuff. Like, nobody, not a single living soul, likes Roddy Strong eating a sandwich other than Vince McMahon. <laughs> somebody's shown him this tape, maybe they're not so bad <laughs> over there. It's like uh, he's eating a sandwich weird, it, disgusting. They slowed that down as well. Yeah. Some
2: nice messages, by the way. Oh, that's good. But uh, you yeah. know, sorry. I just got like ten at once. So I'm like, oh, what the hell's going on? But now I'm still still
3: really annoyed about this. Yeah, it's over. At least it isn't. Not, not over. Over. Not, I don't mean. Oh, i like it's finished. It's finished. <laughs> it's finished. All right. They're all finished. Padraig Pong.
0: So yeah, Cole's finally had enough. He said, so "I." Been here for ages. I haven't talked to Max
3: in weeks. I'm still waiting to get surgery. And he's not. That's all out there that you had surgery. Stuff breaks the immersion not that there is immersion, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like and so he finally leaves.
0: Uh Strong tells Bennett and Taven, I uh, now know what I have to do to get because this is on NXT, you would love it.
3: Mm, context is everything. Yeah. This kind of belongs on NXT. Yeah, actually. so
2: that's the thing. That's the thing.
3: It could have a <laughs> like a sandwich eater. This is his gimmick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sandwich. Rod, Roddy sandwich. In fact, he was whinging injured guy as part of Diamond Mind. It was I know. really funny. I know. Like, well, it yeah. did make sense in that context?
0: <laughs> um, but he says, "I know. No, what I finally have to just get uh, Adam Adam back, and that's be nice to that scumbag MJF." I'll just say it out loud, so you know. Yeah, instantly people know that you're
2: insincere.
3: But at the death,
2: I know MJF doesn't watch the show, so there's maybe that. But oh, hey,
3: I'm not saying all's well that ends well. But like, all right, let's see then. Like, this is what this should have been all along, really, shouldn't it? Like, where does... We were booking, yeah,
0: have Roddy Strong say, I'll step up and be MJ's tag partner and defend the tag belt straight out of
3: the gate when Cole got injured. And they could still do that. Like, Strong now. Like, MJ, they haven't even mentioned... they said, oh, we've got plenty of sandwich content we need to get (laughs) in. Don't forget that those lawns need moment. Like, we've not yet mentioned... a giant giraffe. (laughs) Who's doing this? Well, the Ring of of Honor... Who's writing these skits? The Ring of Honor tag titles haven't been discussed and nobody's saying, look... Jeffy, 30 days is coming up. You're going to have to work another handicap match, all that kind of thing. That feels like the play still, but why did we have to go through this? Like, Strong assuming Adam Cole's role in that tag team is great, I think, and eventually you get to the Kingdom match and Roddy Strong's got to make a choice and that's the drama I'm here for, but this has been dreadful. And I guess it's a... Would they have even done this if Adam Cole didn't get injured at Grand Slam? Because that's when all this started. Like, Have they just thought Skits is the answer because he's hurt and it's just failed and bombed badly as... I'm not calling it a noble failure. I'm just saying, was this ever on the cards? I just feel like
2: it's just so cynical.
3: It's rubbish.
0: I think they, they probably said, oh, we're going to have uh, Roddy and Max defend the tag titles at full gear. Do Max do double duty again? So, which means we've got quite a few weeks to fill. So the dungeon
2: of doom. It's Hulk Hogan doesn't really belong in WCW, but he's nonetheless a bit of a lucrative draw for the promotion. So let's just do more Hogan stuff and parody it and parody it and eventually reach a point where it's like, well, you have to do something else. And it just sucks and it's not drawn anymore.
3: And appropriately. It's, it's not hard. <laughs> it's not <laughs> hard. It's not <laughs> hard. Having said that, Strong not really helping MJF, but I could buy the opening tag match closing main event again and Jay White having the advantage of a knackered MJF. Oh. Like if MJF injures his leg. In this version tag- of MJF
2: accepts Roderick Strong's help, serious questions must be asked. Well, unless guess, he helps yeah. him
0: retain the. Diamond Ring next week. Oh, we'll see. Bing, bing, ging, and for counteracted by Tate oh,
2: Bennett.
3: Oh, that'll play out. Roderick Strong, who can... Proper see. fed head side of the desk, where it's like, let's fix something awful. Where you're like, just don't do the awful thing in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, right, Callis Takesh,
0: powerhouse Hobbs in the ring with uh, Tony Schiavone. Uh, and Callis says, last week we did, the, uh, we did the unthinkable, we demolished Chris Jericho. Hobbs t- tells the story from the... Uh, 22nd of February 1998, I believe. Uh, he was supposed to be the greatest day of his life. The woman that raised him, his grandmother, uh, was going to help him meet his hero, Chris Jericho. Front row tickets. Jericho told her to shut up and for him to sit down. <laughs> um, he said he had 25 years of frustration uh, and he swore that day uh, when he eventually got to look Chris Jericho in the eye, he'd hurt him over and over. And they air uh, the clip of him spine buster, spine buster, spine buster. Um, Callis says, uh, previously, Hobbs has been told by people, or all the people he loves in life, to bottle up his hate and anger. But he's got a new family now, and this family uh, wants him to be what he is, a killing machine. They're not done with Jericho, even. Uh, But the family's on a roll. They're undefeated in four months, except for that one match where Sammy had been hurt by Jericho, and Don had to get a scab worker called Kyle Fletcher, and that kid let him down. He screwed the family. Kyle Fletcher comes out like, huh? He's like... Hobbs is there, like, just to make sure he doesn't proper kick off. And he's like, I did it as a favor to Will Ospreay because you were begging him. Um, Maybe I was. You know what? Maybe I was the weakest link in that match. But tonight I'm going to prove to everyone, including you, Don Callis, I don't need anyone's help to beat Kenny Omega. And Callis is like, "I like I like the confidence kid. If you win, maybe we'll have a chat next week.
2: Good news, bad news. Uh, the bad news is that to Takeshter for all intents and purposes looks like 2019 Wardlow, and he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? He's a total background figure. I was really quite annoyed by mm. the framing of him. Not good. Uh, good news is that Carlos is banter sometimes. And uh, bad news again is that uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, if you felt that strongly about Chris Jericho, could have done something in the <laughs> intervening
3: three years. <laughs> I he thought that. A bit about, like, the uh, thing about Powerhouse Hobbs is people are talking to control his anger. Is that right, Team Taz and QTV? Is that what they've been saying? Slow down, Powerhouse. <laughs> I don't recall. I, like,
0: the, the, yeah, I was completely the usage. The moment he said, on that day, I swore the first time I saw Chris Jericho, I was spying and the crap out of him. I was like, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think backstage <laughs> attacks happen in wrestling all of the time. You yeah. know what I mean? You didn't have to be in a sanctioned match. And the idea of them trying to square it off as Hamlet says, rightfully points out, no, that's <laughs> never really happened. I hate when they get continuity wrong in this company because yeah. they're usually like almost to a fault, like incredible at it. And it's really good because the episodic weekly TV is not the medium to do that, but they've managed it so often. So it really annoys me when they get it wrong. Uh, the last bit of good news is that Killing Machine, that should be his nickname now. But I put on a T-shirt, you might actually do a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Killing Machine Hobbs. Yeah. Like, that's a good nickname. He's got a delightful turn of phrases, Callous. Um He's both good and bad.
3: I liked where this went with Fletcher. Um, Scab immediately told you where everybody sat with everybody. Mm. And I think I preferred the match for it. Like... Sidge is going to talk at length and more lovingly than me, truthfully about this match. But you go first then. Well, it's fine. But like, <laughs> off, man. Kyle, uh, <laughs> off. the man with raw. You like it more, and that's I like that. I'd I'd be wasting my so breath much compared than to your analysis. On WWE TV. Kyle Fletcher by like, orders of magnitude. But carry on. This changed the match for me from Kyle Fletcher trying to be like. Oh, I'm an Aussie opener. I'm a bad guy. To actually, I'm a baby face underneath this. Mm. I'm proving myself. He's kind of negged me, callous here, and proving myself. And I preferred the match for that. I thought this was a really nice detail to add to the story of the match at the last minute. Fletcher and look, it's fine. Everybody takes time and everybody has different skills. Had a little bit of the old Charlotte Flair. No, I don't not gonna need promote. you anymore. In how he couldn't quite modulate his voice. I like Kenny Omega! <laughs> right, was like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> did you get a promo class from Tony Khan? <laughs> 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 like, it was a bit weird. Like, it was all a bit. Like, if, you, if you're watching on your big telly yeah. and you haven't got very good speakers and you, like, you know, on some Netflix shows, the volume's like that. It's like, are you doing it mid promo? <laughs> yeah. Oh, whoa, all right. Like, Game yeah. of Thrones is the worst for that. Oh, yeah. God. Some of those episodes specifically where you just, it's like, and you can imagine the fans, like, we want you to uh, lean in on the What, well, on just more blue fog? about 20 minutes bloody fuck yeah sword fight, it? it's a sword fight in the dark it's the
0: biggest biggest fight in uh, Game of Thrones history can we actually
3: see it then I, I like thought we th- were doing the brightness on my telly <laughs> what's going on to like so out match <laughs> no the match was great I'm um, I'm not yeah. b- being a cynic about it or anything it was just I knew that Sidwick could love this win okay. more than I did I, like, I'll if, yeah. I liked him as a sort of situational tweener for the match rather than the heel that he was going in as
0: yeah Kenny Omega and Carl Fletcher had a fun little match and then Dan Housen uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm joking
3: of course it was sensational
0: uh, uh, Omega sends Fletcher to the outside slingshot crossbody uh, but Omega takes too long when they get back in there and Fletcher hits a running drop kick and then just launches Omega into the uh, into the front row they get back in the ring Omega floats over in the corner quick horror but uh, Fletcher cuts off the Terminator dive and they do a chop battle. Uh, Omega sets Fletcher up on a chair and sprints, but Fletcher hits a low drop kick and Omega just clips the chair as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Omega's going for You Can't Escape, uh, but Fletcher avoids the moonsault by rolling outside. I'm going to make sure we're on the right one there. That's going to get us taken off YouTube. Uh, But uh, Omega does manage to hit a ridiculous moonsault off the ropes.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Uh, missile drop kick to the lower back, but Fletcher counters a V-trigger into a half-and-half half suplex. Uh, a sprinting corner kick and a brain buster gets a near fall 4 Carl Fletcher, and he hits that lawn dart uh, and Mishinoku driver for another two count. Uh, there's oh Another l- lawn dart. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah.
0: I oh my God. Uh, I see that in Raw. They say... yeah. don't, sir. There's a leg Larry in the ropes. Omega hits a V-trigger, Poison Run, a high stack power bomb, and a flush V-trigger for a two-count. Oh yeah. Kick ace. I did think for that point, Carl, I was like, Carl, just, just take it here, because that V-trigger's, only going to get worse. Um, another V-trigger off the back of that. Uh, but Fletcher nicely counters the one winged angel into the dragon sleeper. They trade counters. Omega hits a snap dragon. And then with a running start, let's say, takes Carl Fletcher's. And head off with a V trigger. One wing and angel, one, two, three, Don Callis immediately on commentary, calls Fletcher a failure. I thought this is absolutely class. Like absolutely class.
2: Everything in it. There's like literally Omega stuff looks so incredible almost all of the time. That when he does something that doesn't look 10 out of 10, how have you not given the guy a concussion because you just look so brutal with everything you do and you're so precise? And it just it's so like it's timing. Jeez, it, he's a master at this that when he does something that looks ah not that great it stands out and takes me out it's weird It's like watching a botchan and misawa kabashi match it just doesn't happen like the grazed missile drop kick mm. it just it's glaring because mm. everything else just looked unfriggin believable like 12 minutes to go something like that just yeah just like an absolutely killer sprint the story told of Fletcher just absolutely bound and determined to hang in there and do it the right way and just fight back with everything like a proper. This is the closest I think. I think AW's done better matches than like a night four or five G one, but this had this was a G one match in how it was like sort of structured and worked like absolutely full on sprint, like it's sprinty. Yeah. Like this is like the second or third match where you know Omega's winning this because the maths I mean he kind of has to or whatever. But just the physicality, the speed, the sprint, a like total G1, vintage G1 energy in this. Like the kind of match that the person who's working the star is like, well, I've got Omega tonight. I know you're knackered, but this is my time to shine, so let's go out there. Like, it was absolutely awesome as a sprint and the V trigger towards the end when they're both just in the ropes, in the ropes. I was like hands over my sort of eyes a little bit, and then I just physically, I don't know how they did the bit where not only are you just rampaging across the ring, like using every bit of that rope for your momentum, and then do a perfect, as you say, flush V-trigger, and then a somersault backwards bump at the same time. <laughs> just absolutely incredible bit of athleticism. The lawn dart looked deranged, <laughs> like absolutely deranged. Like again, the physical timing on this guy, there's no one better at that. You could probably argue that there's been better wrestlers or there are people who are more well-rounded or whatever. No one can physically time their stuff like Kenny Omega to look like it is killer as it does like the Kenny Omega loves street fighter and if you watch like even clips of the like the combos and stuff, the bit with the power bomb lift you up, V trigger in the face, like it's just like bang 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 Absolutely great. And I loved... He hasn't done a moonsault in I do not know how yeah. long. And I think that was very pointed. Like, he's outright said, well, I'll only do it the big matches. Because he knows, like, it can. it's really quite risky. I can't remember the last time he did a moonsault. Mm. But I think the idea was, one, he'd already told you, the old Kenny Omega singles challenger champion is going to come back. And he's got what you could argue is one of the closest cont- uh, contenders to the next Omega Snapping at his heels in this very match. and I think it was just very cool. Bit of storytelling mm. that he's went, right, well, you know, the old Omega's still there. So I'm going to show you him to prove that I'm not, the, the crown is not being dropped just yet.
3: Yeah, that was my favorite thing about this whole match. The moonsault and the acute viciousness of the V-triggers <laughs> felt like Kenny Omega was physically telling the story that he'd kind of foreshadowed in the promo backstage, which is not to say that the match wouldn't have been great anyway, but there was just so much more depth to this and texture than I would have thought to preview because we hadn't had that promo. If Kenny Mayger had spoke like that on a road tube, We'd already be thinking about it, but you were kind of, you are almost wrong-footed because he's telling the truth when he talks about his his putrid year. Your expectations have been lowered a little bit, and they shouldn't. It's Kenny Omega singles match, but this was a different Kenny-like... Different Grivey. Different Grivey, like, even the motivation of MJF, talking about the title, that's why I think he's not going to get that match in time, because you're going to have to see more of this. This is only the beginning of Kenny Omega, like, not unlocking a new level, just finding the old one. Um... Fletcher having to defend that in particular. So Fletcher getting wound all over by Callison. and thinking, I've got to stop Omega, and then not really being ready for the Omega he got mm. showed itself in, in the way that... He was awesome in this match, by the other. way. Yeah, like really, really good sort of... Uh, I don't know, like this was, this was sort of situational to this version of the match. They would have a very different one where these characters are motivated by different things, and, mm. I, and I like that a lot. The V-trigger cell where he flips made me think of that spot that you used to talk about, Sige, before they'd ever fought, of Hangman Page and Kenny Omega hitting the V-trigger in the Bookshot, and the world exploding. Yes. Like, <laughs> this was kind of the closest approximation of that because he flipped him. It's like, oh, that's the power of it. When one connects flush, that's... Somehow that, like, crazy bump feels like the realistic sell, yeah. And it shouldn't because it's the, it's the daft... It's Marty genetic taking you know frigging clothesline isn't it you yeah. know but it's like there's something magic about that this was great there was a real energy in yeah i love kenny omega singles matches it, every time he has one i get angry there's not one every week I know. and i know you would get bored and
2: i know that's spoiled i wouldn't get bored take, but, but it's more his body i'm concerned As yeah. what a, a kenny omega match in what probably wasn't but looked like a near sellout dynamite building that mm. was great and on the subject of near sellouts well born
0: oh yeah danhausen has a vignette no, what? on the subject of Nia sellouts. Huh? Oh, I oh, I see what you mean. Yes, we have a live show. Apologies. I thought you were talking about in, in doing loads of merch, basically. Uh, yeah, Daddy Boys are on tour, 21st of November at Mosaic tap. whatculture.com, <laughs> forward slash tickets. Very few tickets still available, in fact, for that. That's
2: so why I teed you up with a line. you want to... Uh, You're very, very,
3: very few <laughs> tickets available. We are <laughs> genuinely close to selling out, yeah. hence why
2: I teed you up
0: whatculture.com forward slash tickets yeah well, more of right.
2: yeah. this whatculture.com forward slash tickets be there or be square or in Hamlet's case do both hey. <laughs> uh, not being funny I thought of that at the start of the podcast
3: <laughs> I sort of saw that one coming as he said square I was like oh god my head's coming <laughs> oh see
2: I've got any chin
3: which I don't <laughs>
0: Uh, there was a Dan Housen vignette next, and then it was time for uh, Lance Archer squash, which did pop me when the announcer said, kicking his opponent down to the ring. Proper AW, that. that. That's what I mean.
2: Proper AW. Someone mentioned this in the comments underneath one of my tweets, follow me on X at <laughs> M uh this morning. How It's a different universe. How does the same company do the peanut butter
0: slow-mo, and then that gorgeous
2: <laughs> yeah. little detail?
3: One's comedy. Yeah. One yeah. isn't, Yeah.
0: Yeah, he, uh, Barrett Brown, I think it was, uh, tried to do a suicide dive, got chokeslammed on the apron, yeah. re- release suplex, corner splashes. Brown tri- tried to fight back, and then just got hit with a step up knee in the ropes and the blackout for the one, two, three.
3: When's this? Never not good. Like it's always good. Yes. always. It's always, They always reset Lance Archer, and it's always effective. I've have ju- just seen the process a lot, and I was I think I want to be more interested in Wardlow.
2: I just don't know when he's going to come back. I'm sure, was it around the time of Adam Cole's return that they dropped a Lance Archer in action on Rampage? And I thought, ooh, maybe they're teeing him up for Adam Cole because he's got the the claw, the head injury from Cole. Like, what a first opponent that would be for Cole. And he just disappeared again. Mm. So I just don't know. I, I really enjoyed this in and of itself. But I'm not like fantasy book in his next three months because very rarely do they happen. It's such a shame
3: because Arch is just so much fun. I'm staggered he didn't call out MJF. I know. (laughs) I want that title. You always want that title. That's that's (laughs) the problem.
0: Uh, Excalibur talks about the world video premiere of Swerve Strickland's remix theme, Big Pressure, which comes out on Friday, I believe, uh, on uh, YouTube. And then Strickland and uh, Prince Nana Mm -hmm. are walking through the graffiti park in Houston. And Strickland, you know, Nana's putting all this over. And Strickland's like, yeah, yeah, I should be exi- excited. Why am I not then? He said, Because I should be celebrating with a TNT title. Um, bloody young man Paige. And he says to Paige, remember it's not always you who pays for your actions.
3: Loki, probably the year for me, this like said so much by saying so little. Uh Swerve as the vibe killer with one of his only friends is just incredible. How he turned this into this like pitch black serious scene. When Nana has specifically bought him here in like a celebratory mood, yes, that's Swerve Strickland right now. Yeah, I defended when um, Trench rocked up because is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because other than the, <laughs> other than the food choices he used to make, such I forget what Trench used to get when he was picking his vegetables. I've had peas before. He looked like the sort of person Swerve would happen upon and be like, "You, I'll take. You. I'm going to get in some fight, and I want you." Yeah, but yeah. I believed it, right? And. It's a
2: shame he, uh, yeah, yeah, on. yeah.
3: But this is Swerve. Like, he is scary. Like, he is angry and he is bitter because of what Hangman Page has done. And no one can have a nice time. Not even if it's a nice time about him, which this is, because Hangman Page has wronged him. And, like, Hangman Page is a babyface, cannot sanction what Swerve said if that's a threat to his friends, if that's a threat to his family, if that's like the Young Bucks in trouble, or that's like... that's a flight to fly to cedar bloody hell. <laughs>
2: Come on, lads, I need you back on telly. <laughs> I <laughs> miss that's, you. I
3: don't know where they are. Uh, I don't miss them, but I don't know where they are. Like, <laughs> But like that's who's threatening, yeah. and we know that Paige is fiercely loyal to his friends and his supporters and stuff like that, and I just, that's scary. It's really frightening stuff, and to Sidge's point earlier on about, like, this is a great rematch company still. I cannot wait for the rematch. I cannot wait for the
0: rematch. And uh, then the moment we'd all been dreading uh Tony Schiavone introduces Sting down to the ring. He comes down, gives us a big woo, great reaction, of course, for Sting. And he takes a moment to reflect on everything. Talks about traveling up and down the road with legends like Luger, Bagwell, Steiners. Um, and they look at the generations ahead of them, guys like Dusty Rhodes. Uh, the most charismatic human being of his life, Hogan, who gets the reaction you'd expect, uh, talks about Hogan transcending wrestling and Sten- uh, Sting learning stuff from him. And then he talks about Ric Flair, of course. Thank you for all the moments, the Clash, what a moment! He's Been forgiven evidently. I didn't I was like weird, that. Wasn't yeah. Yeah. It's
3: court Yeah. Caught of public opinion. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the bash in '90. Thanks him again. Uh, they would sit there and wonder what makes these guys come back decade after decade. What more have they got to prove? Why are they hanging on? Uh, and he says, like, it's the smell of the arena. Uh, you know, being with the guys, traveling around the globe, the roar of the crowd, uh, and then he starts hinting at that word. Uh, but before he gets them, like, you still got it, chant. Uh, he says, "I know what some people are thinking. I retired once already, but uh, my retirement in 2015 didn't sit right." Um, and uh, there's one very key moment in that speech. The only thing for sure about him is nothing for sure, and that brings him to retirement. He says, "My first match with AW was Revolution 2021, and my last match will be Revolution 2024." And there's only one key thing we need to know: the one thing thing for sure about Sting is his retirement. It's for sure. Oh,
2: this is class! Like, what a talker! What a hero! Like what a guy! Like, I loved it. You could have said anything. I've been mean, on the on the on the hook. Like I did think because it was kind of out of nowhere that was he just going to drop it now and say, I kind of have to, I'm sorry. So I got a bit of relief. I thought when he was going to say full gear. and I was like, oh. And I yeah. thought he was just like, done. Dunsky Jones. Like, mm. um, But I was very, very relieved. Very relieved when we get more Sting because I've been guilty this year. And I know he was much better in 2021. Like Oh my God, Sting in 2021 against 2.0, <laughs> a Grand Slam FTR. First powerbomb, when Brian
3: Cage just crumpled him. <laughs> yeah, double or nothing. dive. He just killed him. Yeah,
2: and yeah. then when they did the suplex, at double or nothing, oh, and he yeah. just popped straight back up and no sold. I'm like, yeah.
1: Oh, my God.
2: I've, I think they've just done a, a phenomenal job. A lot of people don't think Tony Khan's a good booker. And I think that's moronic. I think he's one of the great. Um, that's like a present tense thing rather than a general. I just think there are people who like AEW who don't necessarily think it's that much of a result of it. Tony Khan's Booking our input and it's all roster. I think that's absolutely stupid. Moronic. <laughs> absolutely moronic. The absolute ultimate incontrovertible proof is in how he's packaged Sting. Like Paul Heyman. Did Paul Heyman do a good a job as hiding the positives? Uh, hiding the negatives mm-hmm. and doing the positives? It's pure magic what they've yeah. done. And I've been guilty. I don't think Sting's been at his best this year. And not nothing ever lasts forever. I've maybe been guilty of going, on oh, no, this thing mentioned. that was fun. This is brought into focus of just enjoy it. It's been such
3: Right, it's been class, like pure magic. It's less explicit than the Ric Flair win or retire story, but it's kind of the same thing. Every heel now should be gunning to either have the match that retires him at Revolution or try and stop him getting there by retiring him first. Like introducing a countdown clock on a character like Sting mm-hmm. is amazing because it's just this legacy babyface. When you said about Paul Heyman hiding the negatives, I was thinking of aging veteran Terry Funk as babyface world champion. And it was the same with Funk. It's like, well, how? I mean, to be fair to Heyman, he did it with loads of oh, them. Oh, he did, yeah. you but got like, Tommy Dreamer over. You, can, <laughs> you, watch, you watch Terry Funk, you're like, well, how much longer can you keep doing this? And Sting is in that position now. I think that's fair to say. But all of a sudden, any time you book him, there's going to be all this extra heft. Somebody is going to be having one of Sting's last matches. Everybody should want it in reality, let alone cafe. But the things proper bad guys can do with this. We just talked about one. Imagine, like, what if it's Swerve Strickland at Revolution? That's horrifying. Yeah, like, like we think it's going to be Darby Allen, right? Because he wants to get in there before Darby Allen gets some Everest. Yes, but like, if it's a heel that wants this spot, you've got stories to tell. With it'll this. have to be a, a tag at least. I don't need a Sting singles match. I think it's a Sting. He's never worked singles. I think it's singles. I don't know if if, if the top if the belts on a heel. I think you. I think you shape revolution around Sting's retirement. Uh, You're
0: gonna have a retiring boys match as well with Danielson involved at some point.
3: Oh yeah, him and Danielson before Sting. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, right, we get the second film from Tony Storm, Gone with the Storm, featuring RJ City. Oh, well, RJ City actually introduces it, and she says, "Chins up, tits out, enjoy the film." Again, this is one of those things that's in picture in picture. Uh, it's a silent film, uh, and it's rubbish. Uh, but what do you think of it? Um, I'm just, I'm not a fan of this. Yeah.
2: I, this stuff, AW's taken it too far. with These pre-tapes and all the rest of it, like
0: it works
2: so well. In the context of it being a back, a backstage segment with Renee Paquette. Because mm. Tony Storm being kind of like you can see her tethered to the reality but fraying away from yeah, it. Yeah. And that's the magic. When you create a new reality for Tony Storm to be goofy in, it's just not the same. It doesn't have the charm. It doesn't feel remotely believable. It's just wacky and stupid, and it compromises everything else on the show to a degree um, to have it post-produced and just making films, and it's just so literal. Like, that off-kilter That's it, isn't it? Yeah. element really, really worked so incredibly well, and now it's just daft and stupid. And uh, I, it was a bit crass, but I don't think you would have understood that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you do, obviously. you have just laughed. Thus, blowing the bid.
0: Uh, oh, I think he'll do it anyway. I, um, <laughs> no, I think the, the, thing I, the thing I have with this is I love this Tony Storm character. People are going to think, oh, you just don't like the Tony Storm. I love the Tony Storm character. You've nailed it there. I was trying to work out why I didn't enjoy this. You know, I loved all the other stuff. Watch out for the shoe and the matches we've talked about previously. But it's, yeah, they've, they've, they, you're right. It's, it's one step too far yes. with all this. What did you think?
3: Um, because I've only ever seen this in the context of the ad breaks, I think this is kind of inspired. They are not using this. They're not using the device as a part of Tony Storm's character. They are using Tony Storm wanting to make films as a clever way to kind of have you watching the show rather than the adverts. I can totally understand why on I couldn't imagine sitting through last week's on fight TV. Oh, I watched this week's on Fight TV. Excruciating, like I, this one, I would imagine was slightly better. But last week's, especially, would have been excruciating to see us like just doing the silent movie gestures with no, with just music. I guess. It's like you're like trying the, to make people go. And watch yeah, next you team. can't. Hit. It's this is no different, right? This is no different to Sammy Guevara's cue cards as a nice thing to put in the adverts instead of a headlock, instead of an unconvincing portion of a match where the wrestlers have been told to slow it down. That's why I was confused as
0: to why you'd... They never advertised, oh, Sammy Guevara's going to have his cue cards.
3: And that's what I agree with. That is weird because she said like, so you see it on full screen and it's like, and roll the footage and then it immediately cuts the picture in picture. So it's really well produced in that respect. And then it's, ah, I get what they're doing. It's an advert break thing like Guevara's cue cards. I'd take this 10 times out of 10 over a match being broken up with a headlock spot. I would. Only Brian Danielson and very few select others make those advert minutes count. So I'd Ms. rather, Ms. Sakura. Ms. Sakura, I'd rather the, this kind of nonsense, to be honest, like than than a match. Like just fit the matches in, make them shorter, make them shorter. Like this. what's happened to you, Tony Storm? This is Tony Storm. This is this is pro wrestling. That's like the matches. F- them, like <laughs> keep them short and have more stuff like this. But Tony Storm's still got to be a wrestler. I think both can coexist, but yeah, I, I don't love this. I'm not saying this is like...
2: you watched The New Generation and fell
3: in love with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not watching, I'm not saying this is a high it, concept or it's anything. It's so much like, better
2: when she was a wrestler who flirted with the visual imagery of a fading starlet to convey that she's kind of losing her mind and she's really funny with it. She's now got two jobs and that's stupid. That's fundamentally stupid.
3: I think you can do both. I think, you can, I, I think you can have both. I think if she's building a match, she can cut that promo. That's because you... Because your favorite era of
2: wrestling, fundamentally, is when Duke Julesy was around. Yeah. No. She's one, got one job.
0: One thing I didn't get a part of it as well, it was just confusing, uh, was she referenced a pearl necklace and then got angry about it. What was all that about?
2: She thought RJ City was referring to the sexual act where you ejaculate on a woman's neck and, uh... A little blobercum. A, a little, several actually, <laughs> Several drops and they form the pearl necklace. Oh, yeah, makes sense.
0: And it? it reminds you of a pearl necklace in colour and, um, trajectory. But RJ RJC meant a literal pearl. Well, the film director or whatever role he was playing, yeah. I don't pay much attention. Correct. Yeah. So you did understand. No, no, no now you've explained it. Now yeah. I understand. Uh, right. The next bit I really enjoyed Jim Ross is backstage with Nick Wayne and his mom. Uh... She didn't actually get introduced to Shane. She, wasn't, she was just his Nick Wayne I and mean, his was more. It's on. so yeah. rushed.
2: I um, wish this was two minutes longer. I, this was crap. But yeah, it I mean, was funny though.
0: Yeah, in terms of the acting, well, was, Christian Cage was funny. <laughs> Christian Cage, yeah, he was alright. Exactly. Yeah, uh, she said I can't understand. I can't understand how Nick could do this. That was her acting, basically. Uh, <laughs> Darby's been like <laughs> rubbish. Uh, Darby's been like a brother to Nick. Um, after things, <laughs> Nick Chris- Wayne's
3: mom is probably <laughs> bombed. <laughs>
0: I told you he swears way more than me, doesn't he?
3: Yeah. Oh, give it up, man. Oh, f- off, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Live. Mosaic tap. This <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, that's another one. Well, like Markham and Wayne.
0: You're, you're, an you're making him groan? Uh right, where are we? Oh, yeah. After what uh, Christian Cage said about his father and her, this isn't the way. And Nick says, shut up, man. Uh Jay I was like, watch it, kid. Um, and Wayne says it's uh trying to it's time to prove myself sit what, your ass down while i am here <laughs> um, i've got a new father figure christian cage is a better father than my real dad ever was cage walked into the shot and said son you ready to come home great line and the way they pulled back to reveal
2: that christian cage was in fact there was phenomenal yeah. everything else was pretty
0: whack was <laughs> pretty whack yeah, and um, Nick Wayne's he goes to leave, and uh, Nick's mom grabs him and he says, "You're a terrible mother," and she smacks him, and you just hear Christian goes, oh, "Don't, don't do, not do not do not do that." Which was just obviously it was was well done doing.
2: because, like, obviously would never, ever, ever do that, mm. like ever. But now that Nick Wayne can say, even though he's the arsehole here, he can now very justifiably say, "No, you are." Mm. Yeah,
0: uh, Nick says, "You're dead to me," and Kate says, "Well, should have picked up the phone." Uh, and they leave the best and then you hear a scuffle kicking off and it's Darby Allen, and he's attacking them and they brawl and they brawl out from backstage down to the ring and uh, Cage and Luchasaurus are there um, Sting shows up sweeps the leg out from Cage drops Luchasaurus Nick Wayne's had his, broken his tooth Darby Allen's broken one of Nick Wayne's teeth uh, he's bleeding uh, Sting nearly gets the scorpion death lock on Cage. Luchasaurus saves him, and Sting and Darby Allen stand tall whilst Tony Schimane like, ha <laughs> ha my tooth, my tooth. Nick on
2: Wayne's a good serendipitous, gets injured guy, isn't he?
0: Yeah.
2: Like he gets, gets a hard way cut every now and then. Great. Yeah. Um, this was, oh, God. I think this is too rushed. Like They'd have really sort of luxuriated in this ridiculous mood and setup. I think it could have worked. It was smash cut, right? Start talking, we run out of time. Um, the Christian Cage stuff was great everything else was a bit of a whiff realistically
3: yeah I thought it was a bit of like a tonal nightmare I thought you were supposed to receive it as wacky at first then the brawl was just really serious there, was, there wasn't a hint of irony to the brawl then the shift to the, apparently all of this being live didn't feel remotely real I was so thrown by that, that like, yeah. I, th- I think as a viewer you sort of forget that that wrestling still has to follow some of the rules of television and it just felt like it broke one the second they came out on the stage What well, this is now mm. like that didn't compute at all Um, This, to me, is the opposite of the Paul Heyman thing we were just describing. Nick Wayne has already proven himself an elite wrestler. Like, I'm not saying this heel turn was a mistake. He's not elite. Well, a very, very good pro wrestler. Very, very, very good for his age. Uh, Very promising. An incredible ceiling to Nick Wayne's ability as a babyface wrestler. And as a heel, he's feeling like a wish Dominic Mysterio. Like, they're leaning at that comedy, which they don't do as well as WWE. For better and worse, they don't. They do better comedy better than WWE. They don't do... Like, bad, wacky knockabout yes, comedy as yes. well as WWE, like, you know, and I that's how I took him here. I was like, eh, I've, I've seen this, and I've seen it better, and it it's better because Dominic Mysterio was rubbish, like a useless wrestler. Yeah. And it, th- that was all the better for it. Nick Wayne's awesome, and I just, I think this is off. I've gone off this heel turn a bit, but I did like the tooth getting smashed out. The, and Christian Cage is great. And Christian Cage was great. He's yeah. great. Renee's backstage. I'm sorry, also, I'm kind of bored of him in Derby. It's been like a lot. Sting coming out for this after the retirement almost Also, speeches. as long as Judgment Day versus everybody else. <laughs> it was, uh, was, like, very, very Tony Khan. Sting announcing his retirement should have been the only thing he did, slash the main event of the show. And it's like, nah, he's coming out to get involved in this bollocks. Like, didn't like that. Renee's backstage with best friends and Chris Statlander.
0: Uh, and Chris announces she's going to give a title shot to Willow Nightingale. I mean, making us watch that. It's going to be a battle. Um And... <laughs> yeah. all right. Orange Cassidy's going <laughs> to face the winner of a, a match on Rampage. Uh, and he says, oh, there's these things that people say. And uh, I think Chuck Taylor helps him say, oh, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. He said, I didn't really understand it until I lost the title. I knew I cared. I didn't know how much. Now I've got it. I'll Render's
2: last week stupid then. <laughs> he put Phoenix out of his misery and got a celebration. Now he's happy to have the title back. What a crap segment that was last week. Vindication. Uh,
3: well, it, well, a little bit, yeah. Because have you seen that number one contenders match? It's just a total loser factory, and Orange Cassidy is talking about John Moxley. That's what he's talking. He won't say it, but he means he has to beat John Moxley. And he's just—it's just a collection of dweebs and a triple threat to get a title shot. A waste of everybody's time.
2: Uh, yeah, he's got something. As soon as he saw does. John Silver, he just got really angry.
3: He's in it, but they're all rubbish. I forget who else is in it. it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Orange it Cassidy the characters. Win. It doesn't matter. Like Orange Cassidy will win. Who cares? He wants John Moxley. He doesn't Wait want a, a pa- second. Th- a title isn't going to
0: change how <laughs> the Battle of the belts. Okay. We'll See how it plays out. Uh, I'm going
3: to start coming in and review SmackDown. I've decided I'm going to hold it to account. I'm amazed it took you this long. If you watched it? It's absolutely oh, goaded. Hang on. Should have been going like Yeah, I thought you were going to play the... Uh, boom, boom,
0: boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's cinema. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, time for the second best battle royal of the week. Uh, the uh, Dynamite Dozen battle royal i uh, Juice Robinson. It was a joke own. about
3: NXT, you know, his oh, no, usual I was, pattern, just, yeah. I was just deciding which was worse than the race <laughs> to <at> the bottom. <laughs> just, not, speaking of a dweeb factory, this frigging match. Oh, God, aye. What was this? Every time the camera cuts from another wrestler,
0: it was a bit when they brought Johnny TV out, and I thought, oh, my God, we called Peter Avalon. It should, yeah. be,
2: it should be Johnny Darkmatch. Uh, <laughs> I'm not being funny. What's he done? Note.
0: I think I've got all the of them here. Juice, obviously, Max Caster, Daniel Garcia, Dustin Rhodes, Matt Menard, Jeff Hardy, Trent Barretta, Jake Hager, Command- Commander we got as well, didn't yes, they, we? Yes, yeah? we did, eh? Uh, Johnny TV, Matt Sydal, and Matt Hardy.
2: No! No, no, no!
0: I uh, got to go through I'll it, I'll tell you. MJF was on commentary. Uh, Johnny TV immediately eliminates Matt Sydal. There's almost a dance battle with Johnny TV and Dan Garcia.
1: <laughs> no!
2: <laughs> no! No, no, no!
0: Because Johnny TV doesn't break dancing, but Daddy Magic stops him.
3: Just add uh, dancing to anything music adjacent, Jeff Hardy should never be allowed to do, apparently. Can't make music, can't dance to music, can't be around music.
2: He did get super over with that entrance.
3: Not yeah. to me, yeah. ever. And it's not quite as... It but is to way more than people re- than me. yeah. Uh,
0: yes, yeah, so Jeff does his own dance and... Uh, well, Matt Hardy said, like, "Well, I have to do something." I mean, guess what he does? He Matt Hardy know.
2: wakes up every day and says, "Well, I have to do something."
3: Do you? <laughs> Jeff's getting into wrestling, so I should. <laughs>
0: oh, some deleted basically Dustin Rhodes. Uh, they team up uh, to eliminate. <laughs> he used to say, "Like I'm
3: amazing." He hasn't dislocated his shoulder, <laughs> getting himself over in other people's segments. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> Jumping in front of private party. They <laughs> <laughs>
1: eliminate
3: Johnny TV. Matt uh, tried an elbow. We need a contract story. <laughs> I'm the one he calls.
0: <laughs> Matt tries an elbow up the second rope, but Jake Gallagher catches <laughs> him in midair and dumps him out. Uh, MJF walks down from commentary and gives uh, Dustin Rhodes some money to kick Juice Robinson in the dick, so he obliges. Uh, Commander briefly fights off the JAS the and then, as we called, tries to do something snazzy on the top rope and immediately gets eliminated by uh, Gossier and uh, Daddy Magic. Uh, Daddy, uh, Daddy Magic then gets dropped by Beretta. Rhodes hits a, a running Canadian destroyer on Garcia, and they do the best friend spot and eliminate Jake Hager. Um, Beretta and Daddy Magic fight on the apron. Garcia saves his pal, and uh, Daddy Magic gets rid of Trent. Jeff Hardy uh, goes for well, gets a running start, goes for something, but Garcia dodges it and eliminates him. Um, but this time, for the third time, Daddy Magic says, You can't do your dance, uh, Garcia. There's a shoving match. Both men attack Dustin Rhodes. They do the bit where he's holding him up. He moves and uh, Garcia hits Menard and that allows Dustin Rhodes to get rid of daddy magic. Garcia gets rid of him. He is uh, down to the final three alongside the only other two people who could possibly (laughs) win this, Max Caster and Juice Robinson. Garcia does his dance and gets eliminated by Max Caster. And then it's down to these two fighting. Robinson was on the outside. Uh, He manages to cut off Caster. who keeps trying to knock him out. Uh, Robinson wants a suplex to the floor, but Caster holds on, and they're on the apron, and Robinson rakes the eyes, and they scale to the top. Juice falls into the ring, and Caster hits the mic drop, but at that moment, uh, Jay White jumps MJF on commentary. They fight on the stage. MJF actually gets the better of it. He gets his world title back, uh, but as he runs at Jay White, Jay White nails him with a low blow. This is all distracting Max Caster. Um, that allows Robinson to put on his TJ Max ring, knock him out. Eliminate him. Juice Robinson wins the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, uh, and there's a stare down between Bullet Club Gold and MJF. White's holding the title, and Robinson's showing off his ring ahead of next week.
2: Yeah, I guess this was every battle royale ever, except like tedious first half, quite exciting finish, where the first half was like really annoyingly bad. And the second half wasn't so good that it just, that's your memory of it. I remember that Battle
3: Royal, it was really good because it wasn't that good. It wasn't Cassidy Swerve, was it? It was not Cassidy Swerve, <laughs> goddammit.
2: It was not Cassidy Swerve. Um, like I'm, I never lose sight ever of perspective, how privileged I am to do this job, right? And like, oh, woe was me. You have to watch a pretty rubbish knockabout Battle Royal for five minutes. Don't go on your phone, you have to analyze it. I was, I was so tempted to skip to the end. When they did the dancing stuff with Jeff Hardy and that, it's just charmless. You know, where near as over as it used to be, right? <laughs> and I hate it. It just, it just undermines the stakes of what this is for. Do these people, do any of them care about the ring? No, it's just a pretty
3: lazy device to get an MGF versus Juice match on the hook. Um, Close to the gimmick battle royal in that regard, isn't it? Go and do your gimmick for five minutes. You're on camera at least. Daniel Garcia, even. Like, I have loved your takes on Daniel Garcia about the long-term story that feels like it's been frittered away and he is becoming yeah. a dancing fool. That's what he wasn't as yeah. much was a dancing fool. On the
2: subject of Garcia, and this is the other point I want to make before I want to say one nice thing, All right? What possible problem, realistically, could um, Daddy Magic have with Daniel Garcia's dancing?
3: The, what, the wackiest That's, freak on the roster? Exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: <laughs> so they're telling the story of a dissension within a stable because wrestling needs one more of them. <laughs> right. Of Daddy Magic now has a problem with Garcia's dancing. Daddy Magic, and this is a good thing, has spent his entire AEW career just being a bit of a daft clown. He's cut the odd, really, really good baby, uh, not babyface, he's got the odd, really, really good promo where he's shown his passion, give you a glimpse into his real-life story and his motivation. So he's not completely a clown. That's what he's great at. He's a prelim undercard heel who's goofy, and that's what he's great at. He's got hard nipples. He's got hard nipples. Like, why? So what is he saying? Oh, don't do that. It's stopping us from winning? Or don't do that. You're better than that. You're a wrestler. Does he want to be a wrestler now? I don't get it. It's stupid. It's just a terrible device to split them up. Um, Tell you what, though, last two minutes were really dramatic, which is, an achievement, I guess, considering it was so signposted that uh, Juice was going to win. And I'm telling you now, I'm such a dickhead. I know, and pedantic with my standards. Like you can have the worst match in, ev- in ever in history, and if Dustin Rhodes does a destroyer, <laughs> oh
1: my God. I just love it, and I
2: love.
0: It. <laughs> it's fine. That's because we had to have the no 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 button. I need to put them closer together. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I like the same as what I was saying about the Max casting before. <laughs> like, I think yeah, it's let's play wor- that back again. And I'm M Sidhu on Hex. It's worth sticking with because you got that finish. Rest was this was in the wrong slot on this show. This was not a main event. This is not the way to leave the broadcast. Kind of undermined MJF and Jay White by it being feeling fairly flat. And it's like, see you next week, fans. Maybe, I guess, because I'm reviewing it. Like, if you put this in the middle of the show at the start and then you move on to something bigger, so I think they got that wrong too. Well, Like the roster, if you're going to put this in the main slot, you have to have, like, not to, like, neg anyone individually, you've got to have more stars in it if you're going to put this on last. You've got to make the prize feel bigger. It wasn't last. You
2: are what, there was no angle, and they always need a hook, apparently. I get it, they do need a hook, I'm being facetious. With a keen sense of self-awareness, right, this is a total geek squad in this match.
0: Like a total squad of geeks,
2: more than most. Uh,
0: we did better. We, there was a better list of people when we drew it randomly from the roster page on the preview yesterday. Because yeah. we had Lance Archer and I think Joe maybe in there. And this is
3: not us picking on people. This matters. Like, you're supposed to st- take that beautiful diamond ring. Sorry, excuse me, where am I managed? You're supposed to take that beautiful
2: diamond ring.
3: It means the world to MGF. Yeah. And
2: MGF's done a good job of conveying
3: that. And it's won in titles. It's won in big matches. It's It's not just a prop. Yeah. And yet, some of the fields suggest that it is because then you believe, well, what? Will the roster drawing lots backstage or do some people just, can they not be asked? <laughs> those are the questions you'll have to ask. What's he get done
2: recently. When you see this field, Stealing yeah. Stealing a living, come on.
3: Yeah.
0: Get the bloody ring for once. <laughs> uh, right, well, let's know your thoughts on AW Dynamite in the comments section or on it uh, at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at. M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilburn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts. If you haven't done so already, uh, we do some of these reviews live, not live, uh, videoed on YouTube. Uh, what Culture <laughs> Wrestling Podcast. In his defense, he's just had a baby, what, two months ago? Uh, yeah, two months ago. What were we in? October. Yeah, two months. Eric's two months old now. Yeah. <laughs> wrestling Culture is live tomorrow. I will say that. Baby yeah. brain is a real phenomenon. True. I've had it. So uh, he's got it. Yeah, join us for a live Wrestle Culture. A week delayed, but we're going to do it properly this week. Uh, All going well on the YouTube. Fingers crossed. Yeah, on the YouTube channel <laughs> tomorrow. And as I mentioned earlier, whatculture.com forward slash tickets for tickets. Very few left for our not many
2: to be fair like, live show. Shoot.
0: Right. For now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys as a fellow Dadley Boy. Our thanks to our wonderful producer Adam Nicholas for putting up with us. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.